every Christian in the extended church understands both rule books. Because on Sunday they go to the nuclear church and they, they switch. They, they know what the rule book is. And we've been raised in that. We understand we it. Understand. We've been taught it. And they understand because most of the week they're out there and they understand the other culture. Yeah. However, the leaders of the nuclear church, now get this, understand only one rule book, which is the rule book of the nuclear church. Furthermore, many of them think that the workbook of the extended church is wrong. Mm. Not just different, but wrong. And I've actually heard that said to me directly. Everyone has. That business is not a ministry. That's right. I was told that by somebody in a church as I went as I started going down this path. Now we're changing that. That's author Dr. C. Peter Wagner talking with my co-host John Ramstead. And on this episode of Eternal Leadership, John and I sat down with Dr. Wagner at Mission Coffee Roasters here in Colorado Springs to talk about his book, Church in the Workplace. John. Did you know that I'm about to start classes at Fuller Theological Seminary? You know, I did, and I hope you're taking the leadership class, Steve. Exactly. (laughs) Yes, I'm I'm going to be pursuing my Master's of Christian Leadership, which is why I am so excited to have our guest on today, because he taught at Fuller for 30 years. It was 30 years, right, Dr. Peter Wagner? 30 years, yeah. I taught was professor of church growth for 30 years. Well, it's an honor to have you on here Peter, you've written how many books? 70 plus? Well, yeah. Who's counting, but I've written 74. (laughs) (laughs) I think think you counted. (laughs) I did. And you're probably most famously known for your book, Your Spiritual Gifts Can Help Your Church Grow, correct? Is that that one? Yeah, that's the the bestseller of, of, of all of them. And actually, I wrote a companion book called Discover Your Spiritual Gifts mm-hmm. and uh, have a questionnaire, 135 questions. So that's really been my best-selling material through well, the years. Well, if you're open to it, I'd love to have you back on to talk about that one because if I remember correctly, you revised that book recently because of a paradigm shift in terms of the book we're going to talk about, Church in the Workplace. That's very interesting that you would remember that because very few people would notice that, but that's true. I had some. Uh, I had to change my my paradigm about where spiritual gifts are to be used, and then I had to revise uh, those uh, those that that book about uh, your spiritual gifts can help your church grow. Well, there are a number of books in which you've written that I'd love to have you back on to talk about. That one, you have one coming out in January called The Great Wealth Transfer. That one I really want to talk to you about. Okay. Um, your, your book about paradigm shifts, that, that was a fascinating read. You gave me a copy of that one okay. after we had lunch at your house, and it was, it was awesome. Peter, I would love, I mean, you've had an impact on the lives of countless leaders, not just here in America, but around the world. I'd love for you to introduce yourself a little bit, make yourself known to our audience so they can get to know you a little bit. Well, uh, I, 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 I was saved when I was, um, after I had left home and um, called, saved and, and actually called to the mission field the same day, just like uh, the Apostle Paul. So in order to prepare, this was back, oh, around 1949, I think it was, in order to prepare for the mission field in those days, you had to go to seminary or Bible school. So uh, that's when Fuller Seminary first started. I went and got my degree from Fuller Seminary, spent uh, 16 years as a field missionary in Bolivia 
in mm. South America, and uh, then uh, then was called to teach at Fuller uh, from Bolivia, and I taught at Fuller, in, which is in Pasadena, California. I taught there for 30 years, and in the meantime, moved from California to Colorado, where we are now, and uh, began a ministry called Global Harvest Ministries, and uh, my wife and I ran that for a uh, better part of another uh, 20 years. And then in 2010, uh, this was the year I turned 80, I had uh, 12 ministries uh, that I was running. And um, uh, that was that was my year of turning them over because I felt like I felt like uh, that's part of finishing well. So um, I uh, dissolved two. I, I kept one because it's a group of people who are just dependent on me, and if I dissolved yeah. it, the whole thing would go. And then I turned nine over to my successors, and now I am in what uh, Bobby Clinton calls the period of afterglow. And uh, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just coasting along, doing radio interviews like this, and I'm um, having a good time. I wouldn't say you're coasting along because, John, when I went over to Dr. Wagner's house for lunch a couple months ago, he walks out and he asks me, do you like four-wheelers? <laughs> I'm like, of course. I love four-wheelers. He's like, all right, you're on this one. I'm going to go back to the garage. I'm going to hop on one over there. And he's got 25 acres in the Black Forest no, area. Eight, eight acres. Eight acres? Okay. But I got seven-tenths of a mile of of a four-wheeler ATV trails that I built myself. ATV trails. And you're 84 years old, yeah. and you're out ripping around. Oh, wow. Well. And, and, he, and he's taking me along. He stops, waves me along to come up alongside of him, and he tells me this little story about this trail and how he's named him for all of his grandkids and great-grandkids. And, and it's just, it, for 84 years old, <laughs> you're still kicking butt. <laughs> well, a little bit. Not like I'm, I'm not like I used to be. <laughs> Studying and researching what you've done. Peter, it's it's been uh, it's something that I hope to do is have a just an influence in people's lives and help people, I think, pull together and really understand what God's called them to do and how they have the courage to step into what that means. I think a lot of people out there are very stuck. I shared with you before we we started the interview. I, I had an accident three years ago, and before that accident, I really had gotten to a point in my life where I was just very discontent. Uh, just longing for something that I couldn't put my finger on. And as I went through that recovery and the accident, what became very clear to me was how to live out in that full life that God had called me to be. But I, I uh, at that time, I, I didn't know how to go from that place I was in that was that stuck place into this other place where I know, like you talked about, right? To get to the place where there's an afterglow, you have to have a glow first. <laughs> I didn't know how to get to the glow. And I think that's where was on your heart when you wrote this book, Church, Church in the Workplace. So I'd love for you to share how this book came about and what's the message in this book and how does it help people move forward? Well, I uh, th through my life, I have been pretty well aware of what's going on in the Christian world. Mm-hmm. And um, I have, I have known almost forever that there have been uh, movements in the uh, in the workplace uh, to bring together Christian uh, people, mostly business people, and we had the Christian uh, Businessmen's Committee that functioned. I don't know that started must be started back in the '40s or '50s, mm -hmm. and then it was joined by the Full Gospel Businessmen. 
And um, I was aware of all this. I was aware of the what was called, then called the Faith at Work movement. And uh, I knew all these things were going on, and I was very pleased they were. But I wasn't uh, particularly interested in it until early in the 2000s, I think it was uh, 2001, when um, uh, a woman who was a businesswoman, a friend of mine, invited me to, to uh, speak to a group of business people, which I had never done before. And uh, so I hesitated quite a bit in accepting that. And then the Lord spoke to me. And uh, this is, this is, I'm not one of those people who hears from the Lord like every other week. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to pay close attention to the church in the workplace. And that was just as clear as anything else. And so I had to do that. So I, I, I'm a scholar, and I did what scholars do. I, I build a library. I now have 110 <laughs> books on the church in the workplace, and I've read them all. And uh, they go back a long ways. They go back to the 50s and 60s. And uh, there are a lot being written now, uh, some better than mine. And I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. But when, I, when uh, I did that, then I had to prepare my talk. And that was the first time I gave it a talk. It wasn't very good. But, uh, it, you know, it was at least a start. And I started researching that and uh, th- thinking it through and talking to people who knew something about it. And uh, now I have a, I think sometimes I, I feel like I need to be psychoanalyzed because <laughs> I have, I have uh, an insatiable fear of having an unpublished thought. So I was been thinking about all this, thinking about the workplace and I hadn't written a book. So that's when I decided to sit down and put my thoughts together and write this book, The Church in the Workplace. So as you did your research, Peter, what what did you notice about the perception from the business community about the role of the church at work, in the marketplace, or even their faith in the marketplace? It seems to me like there's this uh, duality that business people have, and these two are kept separate. And that's the culture, it seems like. Well, that has been the background. And uh, what I've done, what I did, that as I as I read all these books, I noticed when they were written, mm-hmm. and so I sort of piled them up in decades. Okay. And I found that back in let's say the the fifties or sixties, the idea was that we business people are in the world, and we have the church and the world, and we need to be in the world but not of the world. We need to be in our our, our churches have told us that we need to get get out of the world as much as possible, come out from among them and be separate. And so we're in the world, but we, we don't like to be there, but we have to be there. Then uh, in around the 70s, you find that people say, yes, we got to be in the world, but the reason that we're in the world is to evangelize, to win people to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so if we do that, that justifies us being in the world. And then around uh, around the 80s, uh, the idea began to, to, to move in. <clears throat> no, we're in the world, but what we have to do is take our Christian principles to the world mm-hmm. and, and help the world move in the Christian and the direction of Christian values and Christian principles. <clears throat> and then 
starting around the 90s, we have now uh, what, we, what, we, what I think is the foundation of our, of our thinking, and that is that what we do in the world is a legitimate form of ministry. In other words, <clears throat> we are the church, whether we're gathered on Sunday, whether we're in the workplace, uh, Monday through Saturday, and what we do there is a calling of God and a ministry. If we drive a bus, that's a ministry. And it's a yeah. ministry because we're serving people. We're helping people get to where they want to go. And biblically, the word for ministry is a Greek word called diakonia. Mm -hmm. That's where we get our word deacon. You can hear that. But diakonia comes a lot of, in the New Testament. And as I researched that, I found that about 50% of the time is translated in English ministry. The other 50% of the time is translated in English service. So think about that. Ministry is what? It's service. service. That's what it really means biblically. So if I'm serving people as a bus driver, that is a ministry, just as much as singing on the, with the worship team or leading a small group or pastoring a church. Or feeding the poor. Or feeding the poor. or uh, other God calls us to do all of that. Or leading but, a sales team. Exactly right, exactly or right. Or managing a human resource function. All, all of that is legitimate ministry, and that's what we have to get through our minds right now because that's a huge shift from back in those days where we're thinking about, oh, the church is against the world. Well, in the book, you make the distinction between the nuclear church, what we've traditionally thought of as the church, and the extended church because we spend five days a week sometimes more out there in the workforce. Talk a little bit about that. Ecclesia, the, the difference between how really the body is not only just a building, but also the body. That's a very important concept, Steve, because the, now the, I don't, I'm, I'm, it's not a Greek lesson, but the, the Greek word for church is ecclesia. And, um, and there's a lot of a lot of teaching, good, real good teaching these days about ecclesia and what we're, how we're supposed to function, what we're supposed to do. Yeah. But I want to get really behind all of that, and the basic content of the ecclesia or the church in the New Testament is the people of God. Mm -hmm. It's not a building, it's not a congregation, it's not a place where you take offerings or have a choir. It's 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 the people of God is the church. So one day a week, let's just put it in in the simple terms, one day a week, the people of God are gathered. They gather in their churches all over the city. And that's the, they're true, it's a true ecclesia. Why? Not because they're in a Lutheran church or Nazarene church. It's because it's the people of God. But then when Monday comes and they leave and they go into the workplace, are they no longer the church? Of course they're the church because they're still the people of God. So we have to get that in mind First, now the, now the terminology I just got from sociology, because sociology talks, when they talk about the family, uh, everyone knows they talk about the nuclear family, and those are the people who like live under one roof, and then the extended family, so all the aunts and uncles and grandparents and in-laws and all that, and it's, it's still, it's all the legitimate family, but it's different forms of the family. And so I just used that word for the church as a matter of terminology so we could help each other understand it. The, the nuclear church is the church 
that we ordinarily think of as the traditional church. It has usually has a building, it has a pastor, it has a congregation, it has Sunday school, it has uh, all the things that a church has, and that's called the nuclear church. But then we have the extended church. Now that's the church in the workplace, but it's still the church. Therefore, what people do there is a form of ministry. Furthermore, the government of the church uh, is God's government of the church applies not only to the nuclear church, which has been in our minds, and I say our because uh, this is new thinking for me as well, mm -hmm. but the government of the church also applies to that extended church. And I feel that because we've had the extended church, it's existed, but we haven't had a clear government of the extended church like we do in the nuclear church. That's one of the reasons why we have not been as successful as we have hoped to be in changing the society that we live in and changing the workplace. So when you talk about the government of this extended church, right, I think of church isn't someplace we should just go on Sunday to attend. This should be a place that we go to learn, to get equipped so that we can take the our Christian values, our, our these principles, this heart of service, and bring that into the marketplace. Unfortunately, in my, my business and life career, I haven't seen that modeled very much. So when I wanted to go do that and have an influence on those around me, I was kind of on my own is how I felt. So what thoughts do you have on somebody who has the heart to go bring that ministry outside of the church into where they're at in their life today and, and go do that in an effective way? See, one of the reasons uh, that what you say is so true, John, is because in, in our background, the, the biblical instruction that we, with the body of Christ, has received mm -hmm. has usually been on Sunday through sermons. Right. Now, those who preach the sermons have had no experience or training in the workplace. They're nuclear church people. They're not extended church people. And there have been some very thorough sociological studies about the difference between the, the nuclear church and the extended church and um, the fact that each one of those has a different culture, mm -hmm. just anthropologically. It's a different culture. Not only that, but the cultural gap between the two is huge. It's much bigger than most people think. And I'm talking about scientifically. I'm with social science. This well, has been studied. Well, let me give you a little example of that. You know, th this journey that I talked about my last three years, you know, being in business and wanting to serve business leaders, you know, to step into this extraordinary life and, and business and their walk with God. I reached, I, I go to a great church, great pastor, and I reached out with them to, to help me on this journey. And they, they, uh, they just did not understand where I was coming from, the needs of the people I wanted to serve, my point of view, and, uh, it was not a good fit. I, I couldn't go to the people in my church, the typical, you know, church leadership to help me and get inspired and get equipped to do what we're even doing now. I had to go to completely different places. Now you're talking about ninety five percent of the churches in America. They don't just, understand business or business people they want or their to. priorities. They're they good do. people. There's nothing nothing wrong with that. But they they they, they, they can't connect. So therefore the if if and what happens is that what we're talking about is these two cultures, and and each culture, anthropologically speaking, has a rule book. That, that, that they do, just like 
We could, we could go down the American culture and Japanese culture. We each have our own rule book. And, there's, and w those rule books are not right or wrong. Those mm -hmm. rule books are just different, different cultures. Mm -hmm. And to function well in Japan, you function better if you follow the Japanese culture. Function in America, you function better if you follow the American culture. It's not right or wrong. Okay, now I think that's the same with the two cultures in the extended the nuclear church and the extended church. Now here's where some of the rub comes in. Mm -hmm. Every Christian in the extended church understands both rule books. Because on Sunday they go to the nuclear church and they, they switch. They, they know what the rule book is. And we've been raised in that. We understand we it. Understand. We've been taught it. And they understand because most of the week they're out there and they understand the other culture. Yeah. However, the leaders of the nuclear church, now get this, understand only one rule book, which is the rule book of the nuclear church. Furthermore, many of them think that the workbook of the extended church is wrong. Mm. Not just different, but wrong. And I've actually heard that said to me directly. Everyone has. Everyone has. That business is not a ministry. That's right. I was told that by somebody in a church as I went as I started going down this path. Yeah, no, we're changing that. I mean, that, I'm, I'm really happy. That's why I'm excited to have you on, because what I'd love to ask you next is, okay. think about somebody who wants to make a difference, who's excited about bringing their faith into the marketplace. And it's become clear to them that 95% of the people they know in traditional church settings can't help them do that authentically. Where do they go? Who do they turn to? How do they create relationships that move that vision in their heart forward? I, I know the answer to that, but I'm not sure I want to give it. <laughs> because I don't I forget, I'm a professor of church growth. <laughs> and so I do believe in the church. I don't want to get, get the idea that I don't. And um, I think that some of the nuclear church leaders are beginning to change. However, we're still stuck in what you talked about. And how are they going to get help? I think that, unfortunately, they need to get help from a different form of the church. And there needs to develop, within each segment of the workplace, uh, groups of, 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 Christian, of Christians. And they will have, and there'll be leaders among them and followers, mm -hmm. like there is in any place, but groups of Christians who understand, all understand that culture, who can win new people to Christ and not suggest that they get removed from that culture and begin a series of whatever we want to call them. Uh, some people call them microchurches. Within each segment of the workplace, I believe that's the way that the people are going to be nurtured and grow and use their influence to transform their area of society for the kingdom of God. You know, something also to put out there, because I think it's very important to be plugged into a church in a church body and have those relationships. But within that community, right, of a congregation, what I have found is there are like-minded people, men and women, that have this heart to bring their ministry into business. And what I did is I actually sought out uh, a church that we now go to where there's groups of leaders that get together and we talk about these issues and we can become equipped in that area. So the church is kind of sponsoring and fostering that. But I think as a leader, you almost need to get out and either create that or go and seek that at this point because I, it hasn't become ubiquitous across church culture to, to equip that direction. Well, that church, you, you, just, you have to seek. 
that church you described is one of the five percent. Yes. Where this is not only permitted but encouraged. Mm-hmm. Now, what we have to do is take that five percent and get it up more toward a hundred percent of churches that understand this and that, that and that, that that encourage it, and pastors who are willing to undergo what we call a paradigm shift and uh, to understand that the culture in the workplace is a legitimate culture and they better learn that culture not just criticize it mm-hmm. and so uh, i think that's where we not only need to go but that's where we are going i'm 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 very encouraged the last few years that more and more nuclear church leaders are understanding this so there's somebody out there they're plugged into a church there seems to be that disconnect but they're so plugged in their community is in that congregation how does that business leader how does that leader how does that person out there in the workforce convey that to the pastor that business can be a ministry by the grace and power of god god's a miracle working god and that's almost a miracle but it depends on the pastor some are more willing to change more quickly than others. Others are not that willing to change. And I must say, you're asking tough questions here, but I, <laughs> I must say that if, if, uh, if a person has a view, a vision for uh, transforming their area of the workplace and uh, seeing the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven in their area of the workplace, and they run in and they're connected to a church that you just uh, described, um, it might be better to look for another church. Or, you know, let's look at it from another perspective, too. What are, other, from your perspective, what are other resources, groups, organizations that can help somebody with that heart to equip themselves that, that, that's just planted in a church that they love? I, that, like I say, you're asking tough questions. And I have been thinking about that question for a long time, along with people, especially like Lance Wallnow mm-hmm. and uh, others. And somehow, the answer to your question, I do not think, has taken form yet. Mm. I think that's one of the things that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, mm-hmm. that we have to uh, move forward and, and, and create... Um, I hate to use the word organizations, but entities that together will provide an answer to the question of how those people can connect and can develop and can multiply their ministry within their segment of the workplace. I don't know of any any organization that exists. I've tried to form it about two or three times and failed every time. Really? Mm-hmm. What happened there? We don't the have only to thing I you want. the only thing I can figure <laughs> out is that is that I I'm a nuclear church person. I mean that's okay. I, and I un, I understand the extended church, but I'm not I'm not a workplace I'm I'm not in the workplace. I'm in the nuclear church, and I think there are probably a lot of things that I just don't I I, I just haven't caught on to yet, and uh, and the people I've talked to in the workplace, uh, they haven't they haven't caught on to it either. They Somehow, somehow, there's something missing that I've been worried about for several years, and you just brought it up. So, that's we we need that in the future. Well, I'd like to bring this back to something you said because I'm I'm 
kind of a simple guy. I like to break things down to things that are doable and actionable. You said something that really resonated with me. You talked about bringing your faith into the workplace is really about service, being a servant leader, living out your biblical values. I mean, those are things that I can go do today without reading a book, without having a pastor, you know, discipling me. Could you share a little bit about what what that looks like in practice? Because that well, is something sure. everybody can do today. Some people can. So not everybody has the ability, but some people can. Now, what what we what we continually say is that in terms of thinking of the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. what we want to do is, and I said it a few minutes ago, is to fulfill Jesus' prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we need to see the king, the values of the kingdom of God reflected in the society God's called us to and in different, uh, different areas of the workplace. Mm-hmm. Because the workplace isn't all the same. There's, there are many different areas that we could talk about that more later. But uh, it's interesting because what we want is kingdom-minded believers. Mm-hmm. Now, I like that term kingdom-minded better than spirit-filled. And I have some reasons for that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the word of the future. We want people who are kingdom-minded to influence their segment of society. Now, get that word influence, okay? In the nuclear church, the way that you get influence is through spirituality. The most people who can prove they're the most spiritual yeah. get the most influence. You can tell us from just listen to sermons mm-hmm. of the spiritual exploits of the people who are preaching those sermons. Now, there's no other part of the workplace where spirituality gains you influence. The only thing that gains you influence in the workplace, in the extended church, is success. Mm -hmm. It gives you credibility. The most successful people Mm -hmm. have the most influence. And so that's what we're looking for. We're Mm -hmm. looking for God's people to be successful and to rise in their segment of society to positions of influence so that that they're kingdom-minded, so that their influence will be for the kingdom of God in their segment of society. Not not everybody can do it, but but, um, all God's people together uh, can encourage those who have that gift of uh, leadership. And that's where we're going. So when you say kingdom-minded, can you expand on what you mean by kingdom-minded? I mean people who understand that the kingdom of God is what we're aiming for. Not the church. It's it's interesting. Jesus never sent his disciples out to preach the gospel of the church. Mm -hmm. He never sent them out to preach the gospel of salvation. He always sent them out to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Now, the kingdom is big. It includes the church. It includes salvation. And so we do preach those things. But the kingdom of God is bigger. And that is what I just described. The kingdom of God is not something that, that we hope uh, we're going to get taken out of the world and raptured and, and escape all this bad world. The kingdom of God is something that I believe that God wants us to to establish here on earth in the time that we're alive. Uh, and um, people who, whose goal is the values of God's kingdom in their workplace within whatever culture of society they're in, those are what I call kingdom-minded. Mm-hmm. And uh, God is raising up kingdom-minded people. And uh, 
part of this is this great release of wealth that, that um, is coming, too. And I'm already seeing that, the, this transfer of wealth, and I'd love to follow up and talk with you about that. We'll have to have follow up and have you back on. And yep. you mentioned Lance Wall now. His teaching is fantastic. We're going to put a link in our show notes, Peter, to some of the books that you've written. I was just wondering, is there any other book that comes to mind, you know, based on this topic that would just be great to recommend that we can put for our listeners uh, as a resource for them to read? Yeah, the, I, I really recommend the book by Ed Silvoso called mm. Anointed for Business. That's really a good book. It, it has a lot of, um, of material in it that I don't have in my book and vice versa. I have some in mine that he doesn't have. But Ed Silvoso, Anointed for Business, uh, is actually, I think, is the best book in the field. Okay, great. <clears throat> you know, as we as we kind of wrap up here, any final thoughts? You know, somebody's driving in their car. They've been listening to this conversation. They're excited about maybe taking a next step. What's a a final piece of advice you might leave with somebody? Okay, get one of these books, Church in the Workplace or Anointed for Business, and give a copy to your pastor. And say, hey, go over this, and let's let's meet in two or three weeks and talk about it. That is a fantastic idea. That just starts the process and a dialogue and a communication, you know. And as leaders, right? I, I my definition of leadership is how do you influence people in a positive way? And I also add at the end of that toward God's kingdom, right? That's kingdom minded. That's kingdom minded. And if we keep that perspective and we're moving forward as leaders, having that influence around us. Uh, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats, and that's going to, lots of little steps make a huge difference, and that's what God can work through. I hope you found this conversation as invigorating as John and I did, and if that's the case, be sure to stay tuned for another couple interviews with Peter next year. Unfortunately, Peter's book, Church in the Workplace, is out of print, but you can find it used online. Ed Silvoso's book, on the other hand, Anointed for Business, is not out of print. And if you're listening on your smartphone or tablet, you can find a link to buy that book embedded in the MP3 description or on the show notes at eternalleadership.com. Just look for Peter Wagner. If anything that we've shared on this show has resonated with you, please help us get the word out. You can do that through social media by giving this podcast feed a rating on iTunes or Stitcher. We've got those two ideas plus a whole lot more at our website, eternalleadership.com. This episode of Eternal Leadership was recorded at Mission Coffee Roasters here in Colorado Springs. Special thanks to Brett and his wonderful staff. Be sure to check them out, missioncoffeeroasters.com. Next time on Eternal Leadership, author, speaker, and social media expert Kevin Knebel talks about how he turned a very successful sales career into an international speaking career. I just realized that in a more and more interconnected, over-caffeinated, hyper-competitive Mach 5 with your receding hairline on fire, Crackberry, Blackberry world, our success is ultimately going to come down to the ability to nurture relationships. But I realized that if I created and nurture relationships, I'd never worry about business. There would be an endless pipeline of referrals. There would be more business that I could handle, and that's absolutely what God has manifested in my life. I can't keep up with it all, but I don't say that to be cocky or arrogant. I give all the glory to God. It's not me. It's just creating and nurturing relationships, taking a deep, sincere interest in people. A great conversation you won't want to miss. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership.